Good morning, Joy Church. How are you doing today? Wave at me a little bit. Good to see you guys. Man, you guys are awesome. You plowed through all that snow to get here. Somebody said Oregon weather is bipolar. It's not. It's quadpolar because it could be sunny, snowing, raining, right? Windstorm. We might get a hurricane in there at some point. Well, you guys, hey, we have a, just an incredible honor and privilege today to have Pastor PJ Booth and Elizabeth from, tell, he's going to tell you where he's from, but he's from County Kildare in, the, in Ireland. So you're going to hear that he talks a little funny, he's a little different than, than other people from around these parts. Some of y'all from Spring Tucky, you talk like this and say crick and root and things like that. Just kidding. Um, but anyways, we have just a tremendous honor. We met Pastor PJ and Elizabeth back in, I think it was about 12 years ago. 12 years ago, and Pastor PJ lit a fire under our butts. We were there as a short-term missions team, and he tried to talk us out of coming to Ireland. He was saying, these are the challenges. This is the, the, the things that are going on. And we loved it because we were like, man, this is our kind of guy. He's, he's, a, he's an awesome pastor. Um, I don't, I, I'm not going to try to steal his thunder, but I just want to tell you, uh, just open your heart, open your mind for what he has to say to us today. And uh, yeah, let's give Pastor PJ and Elizabeth a warm welcome today and take it away. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jake and Bethany. It's a real pleasure to be here. That video you saw, that's our advertisement. We're planting a church two weeks' time on the 4th of March in Dublin. So at the moment, we are 30 miles outside Dublin in a town of 25,000 people. And we're moving into a population of 1.7 million. So loads of people there. Uh, at the moment, Ireland has, in all of Ireland, has about 1% who say they know Jesus, 1% who are evangelical. So that means we've got 99% of our people do not have a relationship with Christ. So that's a great mission, isn't it? And we're on the mission field. So this morning, I, I want to talk to you about continue with your series, Eternity Now, and living in the light of eternity. And for me, when I think of eternity, immediately I think of heaven. But that's, that's what I think of. My mind just goes to heaven. And, and there's, there's a, a scripture in the final book of the Bible called Revelation. And the Revelation 21, 1 to 4 says this. Let me read. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city and new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her bride. And I heard a loud voice and the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So a lot of times when you read the book of Revelation, it doesn't tell you so much what's going to be there, but tells you about the absence so there's going to be no more mourning. How many times do we mourn? And we mourn loved ones, but sometimes we mourn broken relationships. We mourn that dream that we didn't catch. We mourn that job that we didn't get. We mourn that success that we never quite reached. We mourn perhaps that person that we love, but they didn't love us in return. And there's a lot of mourning going on. Crying or pain. And the crying is not talking about crying tears of joy. It's crying, it's weeping those bitter tears. It's that pain that's within our heart. And, and, and there's no doubt that if you've lived a little while on the face of this earth, you've experienced all of these things. This is a place where there'll be no more rejection. How many times in our life do we feel that sense of rejection? It, there'll be no more comparison. How many times do you look at your friends, your colleagues, 
at, in your home? How many times do you look at a TV, open a magazine, go to a movie theater, and you're constantly comparing? And you say, look, I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, <laughs> I'm too dark, I'm too blonde, I'm too whatever. Because we live in that world of comparison, because somehow or another, the world tells us that we should be something better. And if you come and buy my product, you can be like me too. I mean, it's, it's a selling product, it's to get your dollars. But what happens is, it can, it can damage you emotionally. No more second guessing ourselves. How many times do you live in this life, and if only, if I studied more, if I worked harder, if I got up earlier, if I brought my kids up better, if, if constantly second guessing yourself, when we get to heaven, we will be who we are in the presence of God. And what we discover in this life and what we know in heaven, it's not so much about who we are, but whose we are. Because out of that comes identity. That no matter what, I mean, I'm five foot eight. Okay, on my tippy toes. <laughs> in, in, a, in a stretch, right? I, I would like to be five foot ten, but I, I got over that. But, but as a young man, it, one of my struggles was being short. And so, therefore, before I came to the Lord, I was always that little bit feisty and rowdy and, you know, you know, you know the small guys, we are bigger than we think we are. Because why? Because it's, it's, it's that comparison. But now that I've come to have this encounter with God, this encounter with Jesus, I know that I have been made perfectly by Him. I know that He loves me just as I am. I might be two inches shorter than what my desire was, but that's okay, because I am loved. And the great thing about this is this will last for eternity. Now, I love my, my life. Myself and Elizabeth, we were married 40 years, just 40 years last June. Yeah. And I've got one son, Sean, who's planting this church in Dublin. We're planting it together as open arms. And I really, really enjoy life. But this is not the end. This is not the end. This is an important chapter. <laughs> and we've got one shot at living this chapter. And there's no second guessing. And there's no second time. And there's no second chance. We get one shot. This is the chapter that will determine the rest of the chapters into eternity. So it really, really is important. And so the decisions that we make have eternal consequences. The decisions that we make for your friends and your colleagues and your family, I mean, they really do have eternal consequences. All I want to say to you this morning is that you matter. You, you, you matter as much in Eugene as I matter back in, in County Kildare. doesn't matter where we're from. And, and whether you go to, to South America, whether you go to, to Africa, to Asia, to Europe, the Americas, we are pretty much the same. We're all born with this need and this vacuum in our heart that can only be filled with a relationship with God. So the people you speak to, the people you work, how you behave, how you act, how you speak, how you share with them is going to affect them eternally. Now that can be very witty or can be very exciting. <laughs> For me, it's exciting. For me, I get an opportunity to affect. I used to run an engineering company and, and, and I built all these stainless steel equipment and putting conveyors and all kinds of stuff. But that was 30 years ago. 30, you know where they are now? They're on the scrap heap. Now, when I share with somebody, when I speak to somebody, when I can intervene in their lives, it's going to last into eternity. And all of us here this morning, we have that same privilege of doing that. So my passion, 
You know what my passion is? My passion is telling people about Jesus. And, and, and people say, Peter, and I'm not an evangelist. I'm, I'm not that. I just want people to come to know Christ. Everything I do is of people knowing Jesus. That, that's what it's about. And whether you work in an office, in the factory, out in the field, wherever you work, that's where God, that is your mission field. That really is your mission field. So I want to just tell you a little bit about myself. So, so in, in, in June of this year, we're going to be 41 years married, and I'm going to be 60 years of age, right? I married Elizabeth when I was 19, and Elizabeth was 12 at the time. She was underage. <laughs> and I grew up in a large family. I come from a family of, of 12. I've got eight sisters. Imagine eight sisters. And I've all the scarves to show you, right? And I've got three brothers. And so we grew up in this large family. But when I was really young, about a year and a half, my dad left. So I, I, I grew up hating my dad. I, I just hated him. I did not like him at all. But also I grew up in a, in a religious environment. I was educated by the nuns and by Christian brothers. And they used to have these big letters and sticks. And when you stepped out of line, you got whacked. And they always wore, back in Ireland, it's different in different parts of the world, but in Ireland, they always wore black. So it was always dark and, and dour. And then we have this lovely, beautiful weather in Ireland called grey skies and rain. So, so, so you put all that together, it was quite, quite dour, quite down. And so I, I grew up having this concept of God that God was always, always mad at me. My dad left. He was absent. My, my, my teachers who represented God beat me and put me down. And so I had this concept See, we all have a theology. This morning you might say, well, no, this is my first day at, at church. You have got a theology as well. Our theology is a tapestry of God. That, that's from birth. You have this picture of God, picture of the world, picture of yourself. And, and later on, when you come to the Lord, you begin to adjust that to a biblical theology, a biblical tapestry. So my tapestry was that God was an absentee, punitive landlord. See where it came from? My dad, the teachers, all of that. And so I really thought that God was always mad at me. The only time he was interested was when I stepped out of line. And then whack. But this is something I discovered. God is not mad at me. God is mad about me. And, and, and you hear this morning where, where whatever your background is, I want to tell you, God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. If you get nothing else this morning, you get that in your heart. That God loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. He really has. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. He brought you here this morning. It is not an accident that you're here. He brought you here to speak life, to speak liberty, to speak freedom, to speak purpose, and to draw that eternity out of your heart that he has put in there. So I grew up hitting my dad. I, I served, I became a service technician, served my apprenticeship, began to earn money. And at 15 years of age, I met Elizabeth. Now, she didn't know I was 15. She thought I was a really good bit older. But I'd, we said nothing. We just, we just said nothing. But at 19, I got married. And, um, and 19, so it was quite young, but, but it was good because I found a woman that I loved, found a woman that I wanted. We bought a home very quick, quickly, had a car, and went on a holiday in the continent once a year. Hey, life was made. Really, that, that's all I ever wanted to do. But about 13 years into my marriage, my son was just three years of age. Do you know what I discovered one day? 
I was walking in the footsteps of my father. The guy I hated, I had become. So here I was, waking up, hating my dad, hating myself, and hating life. I had no reason to live. My heart was broken. And if you're here this morning, you don't need someone to point out your sin, your mistake, your blunders. You know. We, we know, don't we? We, we, know, we don't want anyone because we know. They're before us all the time. And so life was pretty bad. It was really, really bad. And remember, I, 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 ser- I served as a technician, became an engineer, so I, I could think logically, but my heart was broken. I was broken emotionally. I had no purpose and nothing in my life. And in 1991, Elizabeth left me for some days and went down to a friend in the west of Ireland, and she came to know Jesus. Now, I didn't know, but all I knew, she came back, and there was this dramatic change in her life. And I said, I want to go and see this guy that you saw, right? Smart. <coughs> and so I went down, and I thought I was going for a 50-minute counseling session because we were into counseling and self-awareness and all that kind of thing. And I had gone to counseling. I'd gone to see the priest. I'd gone to see the therapist. And, and they could all tell me the shape of my problem, the size of my problem, the color of my problem, but no solution. My heart is broken, and my heart is empty. So on Friday, the 27th of September, at 12 noon, I went down to see this guy. And I don't remember it a lot because it was so dramatic. I'd I'd gone to church. I'd heard some parts of the gospel. But again, remember, God is the absentee punitive landlord. So nothing about grace, nothing about love. And and, and I went in to see this guy. And in in a moment, he, he really, in a sense, told me that that this relationship was broken between me and God. That my heart was broken. It was because of my behavior. And I had appropriate guilt. I felt so guilty. I felt weighed down. I felt like there was a ton of weight on my shoulders. And somehow what would happen is God would turn life around and he would take my sin and he'd allow me again to have this relationship with God. Now, I'm from a large family. We we use a term in, in Ireland... I'm not an idiot. I'm no idiot. So, so when I heard this, that, that Jesus could take my life, he could take my guilt, he could take my shame, he could take the weight, I said, God, you might as well have my life. And, 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 and I said, this is the prayer I said. I said, Jesus, please take my life. Forgive me. And a miracle occurred. He did. In, in an instant. And, and, and I rem- remember... Remember, I'm a logical guy, but I remember feeling the weight on me, and I felt the weight lift. Honestly, I, I was transformed. The weight was gone. I, I walked out of this office, and the weight was gone. It, 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 I was transformed. My marriage was restored, so I didn't lose this girl that I had met when I was 15 years of age. But you know what I didn't lose? I began to regain my self-respect. Is that right? I began to, to, to realize that my heart had been mended and fixed. And as I read in Scripture later on, I discovered that not alone did God repair my heart, he gave me a new heart. So you're here this morning. You've got neighbors, you've got friends, or maybe you, your heart is broken. God wants to give you a new heart. He really does. He desires to give you a new heart. He desires your neighbor, your friends, your colleagues, the people that you love 
the, the, the people that you go to the store in. He's after them. Did, did anyone ever play hide and go seek? Did you ever, did you ever, you ever, okay, hide and go seek. Well, well, well we, we were a bit, we weren't Christian, right? So, so we, we, were, we were a bit rude and a bit. So sometimes we'd, we'd run after the girls, we'd play hide and go seek, run after the girls, and you'd give them a quick kiss. Now, you weren't supposed to, but that, that's what happened when you, yeah, that's what happened. And the guys, if you played hide and go seek and got them, you'd give them a pinch. Now, <laughs> usually what happened? Well, in a sense, this is what I discovered. When we play hide and go seek with God, he look, runs after us, he tracks us down, and he embraces us in his love. And when he catches you, he takes your sin, he takes your guilt, he takes everything out, and he fills you with his love. He fills you with his grace. He fills you with his mercy. He fills you with his kindness. He fills you with his goodness. He fills you with his purpose. Hey, if you're playing hide and seek today, God is here. He wants to catch you. He really does. But the same for your neighbor. The same for your friends. Why is the heart of this church to reach out? See, that's the mission we're on. It's the great commission. It's why we're here. Now, do we have to work? Yes. You have to provide for your family. You have to put a roof over, especially in Oregon, right? And the same in Ireland. You need a roof over your head, and you need need some air con, you need some heat, you need some warmth. So we've got to do that. But that's not the purpose we've been left in the face of the earth. The reason we have been left here is to bring as many people to heaven as possible. Let let me tell you a story. Elizabeth, my wife, went on a, a missions trip to Haiti back in 2010. And it was a tough trip. You know, sometimes you go on a missions trip, it was just a tough, tough trip. And she was ready to get home. And she was on the plane, obviously from Haiti, I think she was going into somewhere uh, in, in the southern states. But what happened at the time, there, there was a volcano in Iceland. And so there was this dust from the volcano all over northern Europe. So Elizabeth got stuck. No planes would, would, would fly over, over the Northern Hemisphere at all. She was stuck there, and she was tired, and she was fed up. You know, you know what it's like? And now, at least she could go and have a shower after Haiti, and she cleaned herself, but she was waiting there to get home. So the day that they, they lifted the flights and she was going to get home, I decided I would surprise her. So I live in Ireland. We go through Heathrow to the States. That's, that's how we go. So I decided that I would meet Elizabeth in Heathrow. Right, guys? Brownie points, as many as you can get, build them up, right? <laughs> how long, men, how long do brownie, brownie points last for? An hour. Oh, well, there's a wise man. <laughs> yeah, I would say brownie points last one day. One day, that, that's it. If you're lucky, if you're lucky. So, so, I, so I took this cheap flight, I went to Heathrow, and, and I'm sitting then at the gate as people are coming in. Elizabeth's flight is delayed, about an hour and a half, two hours. So I'm sitting there, get myself a cup of coffee. I'm sitting and I'm watching. And it's like a, a horseshoe, right? So all the people are around, the people are coming out and coming out. And this is what I saw. I, I, I saw this, this elderly couple and, and the two little kids got somewhere between people's legs. They ran in and the grad, grandma and granddad. And there was tears and there was laughter and there was joy. I saw this young couple come through. And their grandparents and parents ran. Obviously, they're coming back after honeymoon. I, I saw a young girl come, and this guy ran, jumped over it, and picked her up and swung her around with laughter and great joy. That's what you see, isn't it, at the airport? You see that, you know, great welcoming someone home who's been away for a long time. And in the middle of this, I really felt God 
actually show me something in my mind's eye. And, and this is what I saw. I saw that the day was arriving when Peter would arrive home to heaven. And somehow when I arrived home to heaven, there was thousands and thousands of people waiting for me. They were just waiting, waiting for me to be there. And they were clapping me on the back and they were picking me up and they were well done and there was tears of joy. There was laughter and great welcome. And, and, and some of the people I saw at the front, these were people that didn't really know that well, but obviously they'd seen something in my life that, that drew them to Christ. Some of my behavior, maybe thank you, welcome, or something about Jesus, just something very brief, but that had brought them on the road. You know that scale, minus 10 to plus 10? Maybe they were at the minus 10 scale, but somehow something I said, something I did, something I brought them on that journey to come to know Jesus. Then there was ones that I, I knew that I had a conversation with. I would have shared something about my story. Something about, and they were there. And then there was ones that I had the privilege of that I had actually led them in a prayer to Christ. And then, of course, there was the ones in, in church that I had led to Christ and discipled and baptized, and they were all there. And then as I got to the end of the line, Jesus was there. His arms are open. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. And from that day, I have committed myself to bring as many home as possible. So this morning for you, who's on your list? Who are they? You see, the decisions that you make have eternal consequences. And don't take it as a weighty thing. Think it as a joyous thing. You, sometimes you're in a job and you say, well, I'm a bit bored. Don't be bored with the job. How about the people around you? You're their pastor. You're their pastor. You're their first Bible they'll ever read. The first scripture they'll ever hear. The first, the first preaching, the first good news they'll ever see is through you. So you are these missionaries all over Eugene. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You're me. I'm the missionary back in Kildare. That's who we are. We are missionaries on that journey to bring people to heaven. So who's going to be there with you? Who's on your list? What can you do? Pray. Begin to pray. Have you got your hit list? (laughs) Who are are the ones that you're praying for? Who are those ones? Make a list. Put them on your phone. Make them on a pad. Hang them on your fridge. Whatever it does. Begin to pray for them. Begin to pray. And you begin to pray, you begin to care. Something happens when you pray for a person. The next thing is invite Invite him to your connect group. Invite him to church on Sunday. Invite him to your Easter outreach. Invite him to all the things that you know that is coming. Invite them there and they will come. And here's the great thing I know about inviting. Not just invite, bring them. Here's the great thing. I'll bring you, do you want to come to the 9 o'clock service? 10 o'clock service? I'll pick you up and we'll go for a coffee afterwards. Guess where our church is? It's near the shopping mall. There's a one or two restaurants around the place. Because people are hungry. So I want to dispel some of the lies for you. Here's the lies. My, ma- my neighbor doesn't want to know Jesus. They do. They just don't know yet. My, my neighbor has rejected a gospel. It's not true. Perhaps they never even heard the gospel. See, many people have heard religion. They've heard some, but they have. See, I heard religion for 33 years. But I never heard the gospel. Your neighbor is hungry. Your neighbor, your friends, your colleagues 
are hungry for what we have, and his name is Jesus. So if you're here this morning, I want to finish with this. There's, again, the very final book, um, chapter 3, verse 20, in the book of Revelation says this. It's a picture. I, love, I, I think in pictures. That's what I think. And I love, this is, this is like a picture in a painting. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So this is God saying to you, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. And he says that if you hear my voice and if you invite me in, I will come in and be with you and you with me. So do you know what, what this is saying? There, there, there's doors all over this place up here. And these doors, there's only one handle and it's on the inside. So this morning, as we bring this to its conclusion, if you want to just bow your heads with me, if you're comfortable doing that, and you're here this morning, and you want to say, Jesus, I want you to be in my life. I want you to take the weight of sin and guilt and shame. I want to make sure that I am in heaven with you for eternity. Absolute eternity. If you're here this morning, and you say, Jesus, I want you in my life, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to do something different. I know you normally don't do this, but I have this picture, right? I really do. I, I, I see right now, it's as if God is, is reaching out his hand to you. Imagine, right, heaven, just go with me. We're in the cinema, right? Go with me. Imagine his hand is outreached to you. And he's saying to you, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad about you. And what, what he wants you to do is just reach up your hand and catch his hand. That, that's all. You catch his hand. You are connected with him. And we will pray and he will come. And he will take your sin. He will take your guilt. He will take your shame. He'll fill you with purpose. He'll fill you with passion. He'll fill you with purpose. That life will never be the same again. So when I count to three, just reach up and catch his hand. One two, three. Reach up and catch his hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All these people here. Thank you. Okay, just put down your hand and we pray. Jesus, Lord, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me. Take my guilt. Take my sin. Fill me with your love. In Jesus' name. Amen.